afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome one and all to the All About Windows Phone podcast on what is one of those days where you wake up and you think, I picked the wrong day to give up smartphone blocking. Rafe Blanford joins me now. And Rafe, can I start with a very simple question? Should I be happy or sad at the news that Microsoft is buying Nokia's services and devices division? <laughs> well, that's a, an interesting way to open it. Because well, I, I, I'm reckoning if we, if we do that, you're going to talk for 45 minutes and that's the podcast done. Well, that, that's true. I think actually you have to kind of take emotion out of it. So it's not about being happy or sad in, in one sense. But of course, because mobile phones are you know so critical to our lives, it's probably the most personal bit of consumer electronics uh, equipment. People do have strong emotional feelings about something like this. And I think particularly with Nokia being, if you like, the grand old lady of the mobile industry, uh, having an announcement come from this, and especially when it involves someone like Microsoft, and there's already a lot of, uh, shall we say, discussion, debate over the Nokia-Microsoft partnership. There's going to be a lot of people out there who are, are feeling sad. Um, I suspect there's going to be some people who are, are feeling quite happy because it, it feels like a, a good deal for Microsoft. But at the same time, no doubt about it, it's the end of an era um, which I guess you could sum up by saying probably after the next few set of device announcements, you know, by the time this uh, transaction is completed, there will be no new Nokia smartphone devices announced ever again. And for the company that essentially invented and created the smartphone industry, that's kind of a big deal. I think the, my reading is that the, they're not allowed to do any sort of mobile phone what's left or not until about 2016 or something. So that gives the Jolla guys about four years to get everything <laughs> shape and ready for an acquisition. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a, a slightly um, cynical viewpoint to take. I mean, yeah, we're, we're inevitably going to get into the details of, of this deal. But one of them is that uh, it's kind of the surprise for me, actually, is that uh, Nokia Group um, is going to retain the Nokia brand. Uh, Microsoft is going to have a license to use it, uh, particularly on its mobile phone products. That means the Series 40 stuff and the Series 30 stuff. Um, they've been referred to as Asher. Um, Microsoft has got the Asher uh, brand, so I think in time we might see it switch over to that Asher brand uh, completely. We'll have to wait and see on that one. On the smartphones, it looks like they're not going to be using Nokia brand. Clearly, there's going to be a, a switchover period where existing devices still have that Nokia logo and that Nokia brand on it. But I think in relatively short order, it, it, it may come down to being just Microsoft devices. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's the Lumia brand that remains in place. There's still a bit of remains to be seen there, but from the way it's been expressed by various Nokia spokespeople and also the Microsoft people as well, uh, I think the Nokia name will go away on the smartphones but will be retained on the mobile phone device for a little while and as part of that there is an agreement that nokia as you say can't license the nokia brand to other mobile device people for 30 months so that means you can't you know sell it to a a chinese oem who might use it to launch devices internationally for example which was always a a, you know a, a possibility and nokia itself um, I can't remember the exact date. It's either Christmas 2014 or 2015. It can't launch uh, mobile devices itself under the Nokia brand. I, I think that means for the foreseeable future, we won't see uh, Nokia doing any mobile devices. They'll obviously still be very active in the mobile industry. Will they maybe do something by the time those two kind of um, options have expired? Possibly, because there might still be some value in the Nokia brand and it might be a way of uh, giving value to shareholders which is actually, incidentally, really what drives pretty much the whole of this deal. It's uh, shareholder value, not the kind of the emotion that you associate with owning a phone and talking about and, uh, you know, even being a fan of a company. I think the main thing to take away here is there's actually two parts to the deal. The first one yes. is, of course, the actual buying of the Nokia services, handsets, divisions, and various software. Um, but there's also a licensing component as well. And the, interestingly, the bits that have been left behind. We'll do that in a moment. But I think it's important if we, we do the licensing, because we've already touched on that, you have the licensing of the name. But more importantly, 10-year license on Nokia's patent portfolio with an option to extend it indefinitely in 10 years' time. Yes, that's right. You know, there are two constituent components here, and the, the licensing is kind of the interesting one. That's you know, a pretty big component. If you look at the way the value breaks down, it's actually... Uh, 3.79 billion euros for devices and services and 1.65 billion for the mutual patent agreement and there is a, a bit of traffic both ways but this is mainly about microsoft getting access to the nokia 
paid money. This was something that was in their original partnership agreement, but obviously now that's that's coming to an end, um, fairly obviously. Uh, the patents are an important part of it because Nokia, it probably with Qualcomm, has you know, the two strongest patent portfolios for wireless technology, and that's something that's going to be critical for Microsoft you know, as it becomes a, a device and services company. So it puts it in a very strong position IP-wise and then to um, license out its own um, technology. And it'll be interesting, you know, one of the things we maybe touch on is uh, the remnants of Nokia or Nokia Group. And call it remnants is actually a misnomer because there's a big, big bits of business there are also going to be able to license that pain. So there's nothing exclusive about any of those patent agreements. But interesting to note that it's for a period of 10 years and then, as you say, there's a option into perpetuity afterwards and um, that will obviously involve you know uh, further payments and um, but you know looking 10 years ahead it's very difficult to to see where things will be um i think it's interesting although it's just a licensing deal given the the timeline and some of the options in there it does say something quite interesting about the amount of money that uh, google spent on motorola and indeed various other you know patent related uh, purchases that have gone on uh, recently are especially in the context of Nokia having, as I say, this very strong IPR portfolio. Um, that's probably going to be lost in a lot of the excitement around the rest of this uh, you know, transaction because obviously the most interesting bit in one sense is device and services. And, you know, it, it is an end of an era. It changes Microsoft to the company. They're going to be getting 35,000 additional employees. You know, They suddenly become a company that's producing 200 million plus mobile phones a year uh, and all of the stuff that goes with that. Um, there's also some interesting bits about Microsoft getting a license or will be buying a license for the here uh, stuff. That's the mapping and location pieces. That re is retained within the Nokia group. Uh, I suspect that's a case of Nokia couldn't agree with Microsoft's terms on buying that part of the business or maybe wanted to retain it. I'm sure Microsoft would have liked to have control of that strategically very important uh, component. But on the other hand, you can also see here is very definitely a, a horizontal play in other words it, nokia wants to provide location services and maps to everybody across the industry and it's really the only alternative to google so strategically very important so i was a bit surprised that microsoft didn't try and pick that up as well that they might well have done but obviously they weren't able to come to terms on that and you know that's why when we talk about you know what's left of nokia you know a lot of the discussion is going to be around um, here because that's the most obviously consumer facing bit but there is of course also nokia siemens network uh, which nokia kind of recently took over the other half of from siemens and there's also this advanced technologies group or division which is getting talked about a little bit that's partly the patents but it's also going to be the stuff that's sitting in the nokia research centers some of the r d that nokia has been doing and that maybe not directly related to mobile devices or in some cases related to mobile devices it'll be interesting to see what happens with that business whether we see anything come out of that in time because i think there's still you know distinct possibilities there some of the technologies that nokia has in the labs could be licensed uh, either directly to microsoft or industry-wide and it's the nanotechnology uh, flexible screens software radios and that kind of activity that could become a very significant source of, of revenue uh, but I, I still feel that the here division is is the most significant part in some ways because the unfulfilled potential there is massive. And I actually tweeted uh, a few days ago that I thought that it's a possibility that here could one day become you know the biggest division within Nokia. Uh, at the moment, it's still, it, it will be Nokia Siemens Network, but I still would stand by that and say there's a great deal of uh, potential there. But it's kind of interesting to note that the you know this acquisition by Microsoft is actually basically for less money than uh, Nokia acquired Navtech you know a few years back so it just goes to show the kind of the pace and the speed and the scope of change within the mobile industry I mean and as, as an aside that sort of diminishing value you see all over the sort of money that Jeff Bezos played when he was buying the Washington Post for example um, big huge important newspaper was actually far less than Johnson Press paid for um, a, a local newspaper in Scotland, the Scotsman, um, which pretty much just serves Edinburgh. <laughs> so um, there is always that general. What what I find interesting about this um, uh, is if we spin it the other way, you know, I mean, the, the prevailing story is going to be Microsoft steamed in, did horrible things, uh, and then what was left they bought. I wonder if the Nokia board 
obviously we, we, we look at the timeline. This these discussions started in February or so this year seriously, but they would have been surely percolating before then, is that the feature phone business, which we've seen a slowdown on in the last two quarters, um, the Nokia board have disposed of that while it's still making a profit, but is on a downward trend. Um, the smartphone division has been struggling. It's hit break even, um, but not fantastically. But then you have the pits that are making money, not the Nokia Teams Network and here mapping in the patent portfolio. They're still with Nokia, the company, uh, and they have uh, short-term cash flow in terms of um, this, this immediate payment from Microsoft. I think it's what, something like $1.5 billion in three tranches. Uh, they have a medium-term income uh, from the patents and from here, and they have long-term, presumably from whatever their skunks works, uh, Espoo has got cooking up in the back of the shed. You know, leave, leave yeah. them what will you have ready in two and a half years when we can make a phone again? Shut up. Yeah, and in the immediate term, I mean, regardless of whether the deal go through, uh, Microsoft actually agreed to give Nokia a 1.5 yeah. billion euro loan, I'm, which is I'm, pretty interesting. I mean, all of that to me actually points towards. Yeah, Nokia I think you're running out of money. It, it it does. I mean, and you can do some sums of that. It's there's not you know brilliant clarity on that. It's not a black box exactly, but you can look at some of the things that's going on. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone would deny that once Nokia switched to Windows Phone, there was a prospect that it would eventually be bought by Microsoft, especially when you look in the context of Microsoft becoming a devices and services company. You know, that's a strategy that's sort of been boiling away in the background for the last few years, but it's come to the front. And, you know, Steve Barmer in a, a recent memo talked about it being a one Microsoft. Uh, and that has changed the game a bit. And so once that strategy came out, it did become far more likely that Microsoft would look to buy a device manufacturer to kind of give it that immediate leg up in devices. Uh, and Nokia, given its close partnership, was always the likely candidate. However, you know, I think the timing of that was maybe a little bit further away. And, you know, th- there was no reason for Microsoft to rush in and, uh, and buy Nokia uh, on the surface because it had the close strategic partnership. Uh, you know, it had pretty much everything it wanted. But if you sort of turn it around and then look at the, the finances yeah. of, of Nokia. Was for Nokia to sell now? Uh, and that's what you come to. And there's a, a couple of things to look at, you know, Obviously, uh, the cash position of Nokia uh, isn't critical, um, but when you look at it, there isn't a great deal of runway. And then you have to look at the kind of the outlook for the company. The you know device and service division, or more particularly the smartphone business, hasn't progressed as quickly as people were expecting, and that's both externally and internally. Uh, I think that's because you face very fierce competition from both uh, iOS and Android. It's not necessarily a reflection that there can't be a third ecosystem, although that's, in one sense, a different debate. But as a result, it's still losing money, and it's still probably five to six million devices per quarter away from the break-even point. Um, That would have, you know, maybe looked at happening first or second quarter of next year, but on top of that was the issue that actually most of those devices that were being sold were at the low end. There hadn't been the critical breakthrough at the high end. So it's devices like the Lumia 520 and the 620 that were selling, which consequently meant the average selling price and the margins for Nokia's Lumia devices were pretty low. And that was creating a bit of a, not quite a perfect storm, but it sort of meant the financial situation was maybe worse than some people would expect given the growth in volumes. If you look forward a little bit, you can see that Nokia's got some debt restructuring coming up in February of next year. Uh, But I think actually the critical point was uh, it now emerges, and we see this with hindsight, and it's in some of the material that's come out today, that there was a recommitment point in the Nokia-Microsoft agreement, and that's basically a, a break point where Nokia could choose to go and do something else, or Microsoft could choose to go and do something else. Microsoft loved what Nokia was doing and was getting everything they needed, uh, but Nokia wasn't, and maybe they were looking at doing you know, something else and be that other devices. And I think it's actually more a theoretical uh, threat to go and do something else than a realistic one. But um, by selling now, they're able to kind of leverage that recommitment point a little bit and say to Microsoft, you know, buy us now or something bad's going to happen. We we don't want to continue with this, this strategy. And so, therefore, it's about maximizing shareholder value. That does come uh, as a little bit of a surprise. I mean, the trouble is we're not all, you know, financial experts. And I, I don't think any of the analysts have hit this on the nail and said this was going to happen. It was kind of one of these things that was sitting in the background. And uh, to say uh, these combination of factors kind of make me think that it got to the point where um, it was for the Nokia board of directors, this is the the time to sell to Microsoft and 
Microsoft may be a little premature, but obviously it's not something they can turn down. It's critical to the, the future of the company. And that's the point we were talking about earlier, right? Indeed. But when we were just trying to get the truth. Microsoft didn't want to be in a position where Nokia were doing 87% of all the Windows phones or, or Samsung. Or they wanted all the licenses to be like they had in the Windows. Everybody doing Dell doing 20%, Nokia doing 20%, well, ATC doing 20%. Frankly, it's... Frankly, it's a big change in the Microsoft business model because yeah. you know they've always been about licensing software, um, and although they were licensing software to to Nokia, in effect they were having what you know was one partner doing doing everything, and you know that together with the fact that this whole idea of licensing software doesn't appear to work terribly well in the smartphone world. Uh, there's all going to be all sorts of debates around this bot, uh, the, this business model. It'll be really interesting to see whether Microsoft can convince others, despite the fact it owns uh, a manufacturer or is going to do big in devices to continue licensing its software. I honestly have my doubts. I mean, it's not like Google and Motorola. Um, but we'll have to see. The Chinese OEMs are still a really interesting topic, yeah. and I think they might still do Windows Phone devices if they if they become successful. But if we look back in history on, on people who've attempted to license um, mobile phone software, the two that spring to mind are when Palm and decided to give it a go with Palmos, and they had to spin out a Chinese wall and Palm source and Palm and hardware everything, and it just created a big guddle of a mess. Handspring tried to license, Palm tried to carry the devices, and it just all kind of flubbed in on itself, and Palm remained, you know, there was one big owner it's the same with symbian uh, you know if you look back we had lots of partners starting off there it just ended up with one big nokia is doing most of it and here microsoft trying to license the windows have done the same again essentially and um, they just have started off with lots of licensees come in boom, and one of them has just ruled the roost i actually think that that license model which worked well on the desktop um needs to be a vertical with a single partner or an integrated like apple yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't think there's any absolute answer to that. Um, I think, you know, the fact that Apple and Google have relatively divergent business models uh, demonstrates that there isn't necessarily one solution here, but Microsoft wasn't having traction in, in the current arrangement. And so, you know, that move to device and services in, in terms of its strategy was kind of the, the answer to that. And as I say, it feels like the the timing of this uh, transaction or the announcement of this deal more comes from the Nokia side. As, as I say, it, it's not possible to have absolute clarity. We're recording this just a few hours after the announcement actually got made. And so I think we may get some more information in the coming days or everyone will have a, a chance to digest it. But it does feel a little bit about you know, the fact that the Nokia Windows phone strategy hasn't been as effective as they originally thought and therefore there becomes a financing issue um, and you know Microsoft was always going to be the the obvious one to buy and they, they've now done it and the, the Nokia board ideally would have obviously liked Nokia to stay independent to make loads of devices to make lots of money but if that's not going to happen you then have to you know what's the fallback plan and it feels like this is the most effective way to extract shareholder value. That's a very kind of cold and emotionless way of looking at it, because actually I think there is, because of, as I said right at the beginning of the podcast, these are personal devices, and a lot of people are kind of invested in companies. I mean, even you know, on this podcast, you know, it's difficult not to talk about the companies in a way that sort of gives them you know, anthropocentric characteristics, um, but that you know, it's not not really the way they behave and so kind of looking at it in the cold hard light of day that's what you you kind of have to come to that that conclusion um, and you have fiduciary responsibility as well uh, of course you know there's you all have the, to maximize all the shareholders end of discussion there's all that kind of legal type and that's why you know uh, it, it, it you know by the same token it's also a mistake to sort of declare windows phone a failure and nokia a failure and all of that you know it's actually a lot more complex than that yeah i mean let's face it we're, we're approaching 10 million devices a quarter on in q4 if everything stays on course that's more devices than scion ever sold it's more devices than palm ever sold in the pda market if you offer that to blackberry now that's what, what seven or eight times what they're shifting in bb10 devices they would bite your arm off that, that, that's right and you know in all of this you know it, yes, Nokia's exiting from the, the mobile phone market, but it doesn't mean that you know, although people have worked on those devices at uh, spring, actually, they're going to be joining uh, Nokia. And there's lots and lots of smart people in there. You know, there's lots of smart people working for Microsoft as well. And in one sense, it takes out a certain amount of complexity in the partnership. You know, when you've got two companies 
trying to do something together. Is it easier to do it with one company? I mean, that's going to be a debate that will run and run and Microsoft getting too big and should it be split up into separate businesses? But it's not really today's uh, discussion. And so while there, I think quite justifiably is a sense of sadness and an end of an era, it, it is going to continue. And I think you know, it's quite possible to see Microsoft, you know, and that spirit of Nokia living on within the Microsoft devices, um, you know, becoming, you know, not just the third ecosystem player, because I think that's pretty much guaranteed at this point in time. The question is, you know, how far do they go? And what, you know, Microsoft buying Nokia does, it basically guarantees that that can continue. Money won't be an issue because Microsoft can afford to continue funding it, even if it takes a couple more years. And it's, it's interesting to note that Microsoft's ambitions are considerably more modest um, than they were. I mean, they're talking about uh, a market share of around twenty uh, percent or so, I think it was in there. Maybe it's actually a bit less. I think the numbers I saw in, the, in their presentation was fifteen percent by twenty eighteen, which would represent total sales of Windows Phone of around about two hundred twenty five million devices. Yes, you got got that spot on, um, and so you know you, you you look at that and go that is scaling down uh, Microsoft's ambition. I think it's an accurate reflection of, of where the market is. Um, where it goes beyond that then becomes a more interesting debate. And I think Microsoft also talked about some of the margins that they'll be able to make and um, saying that, you know, putting it in one company, you increase the margins from uh, you know less than uh, $10 per unit up to $40. That feels really optimistic to me. But you know, basically the economic side of this is that Microsoft feels that it can make more money by controlling, you know, everything from the software right up to the device and obviously the distribution but one of the interesting things I thought in looking at the details of how Microsoft intends to sort of absorb Nokia is actually it's basically going to absorb it pretty much intact. Um, it's only really the corporate functions, some of the things like um, HR that are going to get merged in together with the marketing side of things. But the sales organization, for example, is going to go pretty much intact. It's going to then report to someone under Microsoft. But then the devices side, you know, you're Stephen Elop steps down as CEO today. He actually becomes executive vice president of uh, device and services within Nokia. Uh, it'd be interesting. There's, of course, going to be speculation about whether he's uh, then. Well, he will then become an internal candidate for the Microsoft CEO role. It's not beyond the bounds of possibility to see him getting that. He's certainly one of the favourites. But also, a lot of the people who have been reported to him from Nokia, like uh, Joe Harlow, for example, uh, head of uh, smart devices, also the head of uh, mobile phones, the design team, that's all going to stay in place. And so I think, uh, you know, and, and Steve Barmer talking about the transaction would say was a pains to say that people are going to stay where they are. You know, Finland is going to be the centre of Microsoft's uh, mobile phone, its devices effort. And so there might be more of Nokia preserved than people uh, assume you know there is this idea that it's you know microsoft as the borg coming along and uh, you know there's a certain amount of resistance and future you'll be assimilating your likeness out of your own and sort of become all one i'm not sure how much that's going to happen i mean actually i feel the really critical question in all of this is how can microsoft take on uh, and sort of absorb or perhaps maintain the culture of nokia that has you know, given rise to what I think it's fair to say is some very strong design and hardware that has stood out from the rest of the industry. There is kind of this, it's not just being, you know, the grand old lady of mobile phones. There is an X factor to Nokia that um, has actually made it stand out far more than its current market shares and sales numbers might suggest. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see a little bit on that one. And so I think there is reason not to be um, entirely pessimistic. You, know, you can actually be quite optimistic about this by by the same token, you know, be be aware, of course, with all that, it, it is still the end of an era. I'm just sort of saying, you know, like <laughs> it does continue on. And actually, in one sense, this gives, uh, you know, the device and services business of Nokia uh, a much more sustainable future because the money is going to be there um, and it's actually going to be close to Windows Phone. I mean, it does, you know, it, it is the death of the traditional Nokia and, of course, all the what-ifs about uh, Symbian, about Mego, about the other Linux efforts as well. You know, that goes away. But it, they'll always remain. But I think in terms of what was likely to happen, it, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say this now, most realistic outcome. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's still fair to say it caught people, the timing at least, a bit by surprise. But we hopefully explain some of that in terms of, you know, the announcement of this this recommitment date and then, of course, about debt financing and about the money side of things. We'll try and look into that in a bit more detail um, in a future podcast. I think one of the things I want to 
keep an eye on over the next six months or so is is that absorption effort is how you have a huge aggressive stack ranking is gone but still uh, present in terms of viciousness culture that you have in redmond which is a very american very very aggressive and a very fast um it's certainly in terms of management uh sort of structure to your organization where in in nokia even though you do have you you have people like Joe Harlow, you have Chris Weber, and you, and you have Steve Neal that have come on board from outside of the country, you still have the Finnish sisu uh, that are sitting in there. The idea of you know it doesn't matter how angry things get, it doesn't matter how difficult things are, we will be Finnish. We will remain having one tone of voice, and we will be strong, and we will be resolute, and and, and that will drive us forward. You know, there's how you know if if Microsoft can take the best of sisu. And Nokia can take that aggressive, can-do, never-say-die American attitude. That devices and service divisions could take off in a sense of that you will have the best of both worlds. The worry is that you have this huge fractionist element of all the of the Finnish and the former Nokians just sitting going, well, we never did it that way. Why do we have to do it this way? Why do we have to do all it this way with paperwork and stuff? Yeah. Um, and so that obviously is a danger. But when you look back at that, that, that reorg that we talked about in Microsoft um, that, that sort of gave each division much more independence compared to what it had to be for. They were almost like satellite companies, like 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 little marbells, uh, baby bells going around the big, big marbell uh, in the centre. Um, this makes a lot more sense. It's much easier to kind of go, well, here's Microsoft's device and services section, and it sits here in between Xbox uh, and in between the Office 365 SkyDrive team. Yeah, I mean, that's right. This idea of one Microsoft, which is sort of one company dedicated to all the same goals, rather, as you say, behaving like separate companies. You know, it makes sense, obviously, from this device and service strategy and Nokia's device and services businesses does does fit into that. But you're right, you know, the, that cultural um, process is going to be a, an interesting one to watch. I mean, in a sense, it already has started to happen um, when Stephen Elop came on board. Um, and he's going to long be a controversial figure in the history of Nokia and the divisiveness and all of that. I don't think we'll get into that today, but I think it's Oh, important. can we not talk about the George Nelson in the room? <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it right at the end of the podcast, but I think it's important to recognise that Nokia was already in a bad situation before that happened. But the point here is that the culture had already started to change. Nokia is a different company now than it was, you know, two and a half years ago or going back you know, the, to five the years ago. the that you have in the marketing uh, that you've seen recently, for example. Yeah, you, Never you, seen an old Nokia hit Samsung. You can you can see that in yeah in multiple ways and one of the most visible actually is in the marketing message in the positioning, but it, it does make the Microsoft CEO job look even harder than it was. I don't envy the person who gonna, is going to take on that role just because of the scope and the breadth of what they'll be having to control and facing competition on, on a lot of pages. At the same time, it's important to recognise there's an awful lot of potential there as well. What you need is somebody who's who's been through um, absorptions and, and company buyouts and stuff, who's possibly run a division of Microsoft for two years and kept it in profit, who's, I don't know, <laughs> maybe left his family in Redmond while he went to Finland for two years. Yeah, well, I think that's the kind of the, the conspiracy theory. Um, it will go into overdrive if Stephen Elop does make it back to CEO. Yeah. And I, I guess you, you want to talk about the, the Trojan horse element here. I mean, do you want to just summarize what and, that means? Yeah, I just want to laugh and ridicule it, basically. This, this whole idea that um, there's the, the, this shadowy committee in Redmond that, that sent over Elop on a mission to destroy a company. And at the same time, don't make the phones too good. Uh, and they would destroy the rest of the Windows Phone infrastructure uh, and stop Samsung and HTC making very good phones and then bring them back into the fold and buy out Nokia and it all be well. It, I mean, as I've said in the editorial, this is not an episode of Hustle. Um, if you look at the cards Nokia had, um, decisions were made in 2007, 2008, 2009 that had a significant impact in Symbian years down the line. And when you get left with some really rubbish cards and told you have to do something, um, you know, what you do is you shake up the entire company and go, well, what options do we have? And, my, and Nokia had Microsoft or Android. It was simple as that. If we remember back to February the 10th, the market was baying for something. They could not stay on this. Oh, we're going to make Linux. And the idea that if we were, had Linux devices that were running QT, every developer in the world would now be running running um, a QT device to provide you with Angry Birds and Instagram. I I find even more ludicrous than the idea of the conspiracy theorists. Uh, so um, I just want to laugh and point at them, even though they're all probably going to stay 
there you go. I told you, told so. you so. Um, you know, just because there's a correlation to causation does not mean it is correct. And neither do I think this conspiracy theory that Elon is best placed to be CEO of Microsoft. Um, I actually think you know, when you look at some of the candidates, and um, Julie Bob Green is, is a potential one, and Terry Myerson's probably burnt too many bridges in, inside internally. And given the situation at Microsoft, and to have somebody coming in externally who doesn't know the setups, the politics, um, the knifings, the back doors, the you know, essentially who, who know, who's seen the War of the Roses and understands which department is which. Um, you know, you need somebody that knows Microsoft. You need somebody that can handle hardware and software. You need somebody that's adept at getting in all these disparate parts and bringing them together. While he's not assuming, Stephen Elop has not blotted his copybook at all. It's very interesting that even on the joint calls today with the press, the press conferences, it was Steve Ballmer that was doing the talking. The only time that Elop has really spoken so far is that one five-minuter at the press conference. And it was, you know what? I've had to make hard decisions. You know what? I've speeded up Nokia. Um, I, I've made sure that we get to market and we've changed procedures and we've done the best we can, but now we don't have enough money to consolidate third position. If that was not a stump speech then Buzz Aldrin never landed on the moon. <laughs> well, I think it, it's interesting because there is going to be a lot of discussion around this, but it's entirely possible to see Stephen Enoch going in and running this you know, device or running what the, the device's bit of Nokia within Microsoft, and that's you know, quite valuable. Oh, yeah, that's clear, yeah. You know, and it, that's actually good for him. He doesn't necessarily become CEO, follows from that. And I, I think this whole... You know, conspiracy theory, the, the Trojan horse theory. I mean, it's very seductive, particularly now it's all happened. I think it's important to say that once Nokia made the decision to go with Microsoft in that strategic partnership rather than Google, and I think it was really the only choice they had. I don't think Android was ever a viable option in truth. The fact that you know, Microsoft might one day buy Nokia was always going to be on the cards. It was kind of an inevitable fallback plan and i kind of feel that's what's happened and yeah. it's you know it, as i say it's to do with the financing the actual yeah, I mean, timing Nokia of was it. always up on the block i think i argued last year that although it'd be quite fanciful facebook would have been a good way good person company person whatever to buy Nokia because there was again quite a lot of synergy there facebook said of course to do the hc home yeah. so there was always discussion that somebody was going to buy nokia and yeah as they burnt down their cash, cash stocks it was always attractive. We'd had, I think, a couple of months ago, somebody said, oh, Samsung should just go and buy yeah. it just to get a hold of the IP. Well, well what happened with the the deal to go to Windows Phone? you pr- probably fair to say Nokia shortened the length of the list of people who might potentially buy them and move Microsoft right to the top spot. And so in that sense, you know, there's an element to these conspiracy theories having a point. But the idea that it was a preordained plan is, is just totally ridiculous. I mean, Aside from anything else, it would be very, very, very illegal to have that kind of thing um, going on. Fair point. It doesn't actually stop it happening. But I just think, you know, the number of people that would have to know about it to be involved, it's just, it's totally unrealistic. But Um, speaking of legalities, let's move on a bit. Um, This is Microsoft proposing to buy Nokia. We we haven't had the shareholder vote. We haven't had um, the approval of the, the Finnish regulators. I'm pretty sure that the Finnish parliament will want to have the say in it. And then the EU may well have a look and it go, oh, no, wait a minute. Absolutely. And it's worth saying that there's a break clause in all of this. I think it's 750 million uh, euros if it doesn't go through. Having said yeah. all that, I actually don't think the regulatory approval is going to be too much of an issue, given that we're talking about the third place uh, in kind of the smartphone ecosystem wars. It actually makes sense if you're going to kind of let the initial thing happen. This going through, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of very upset people in Finland. It's not something they want to see happen, but you have to be realistic about it. And for shareholder value, there may be a bit of an investigation going on, but I can't actually see a regulatory approval being too much of a problem. If um, the here division had been part of the deal, I think there might have been a, a closer examination. And I do wonder if that's part of the reason that here is has not been included, quite apart from the strategic horizontalness of of here. But I would be very surprised if the, this doesn't go through. And you know, all the you know, signs they're saying 
it's expected to be kind of completed in the first quarter of next year. And in the meantime, there's actually going to be some device announcements from Nokia. And what people, you know, kind of conveniently forget in all of this is that mobile phones actually take anything up to four years to develop. But realistically, Nokia would have been working on devices two years ago that will only will get announced, say, at MWC next year. And so the, the immediate future will see that. And I actually think we're going to see possibly uh, a tablet from Nokia uh, as well at some point. Much uh, like Motorola had their pipeline when Google bought. Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, and they had to kind of steer away slightly. The, the pipeline that Nokia has is already going to be pretty set. And I suspect Microsoft is going to be pretty happy with their device for their services and division for the next 9 to 12 months. Uh, absolutely. And of course, you know, people are going to compare this acquisition to, to Google. But I think Nokia is in many ways, in despite its relatively small volumes, uh, compared to the big smartphone players. I actually think it's a much healthier position than Motorola. It hasn't retrenched to just a single market. It's still you know, playing on the global stage. It's still doing uh, feature phones. I mean, one of the things we haven't talked about at all in this is feature phones, which is a business that doesn't really make a lot of sense to Microsoft. But I think they're going to be able to continue that relatively easily because you know the expertise will be within Nokia and they can keep the centers that are doing that um, you know, in Finland, much actually as kind of Stephen Elop, while doing the Windows Phone strategy, has done, and will be able to keep that alive and keep the costs um, acceptable. There may be a few tweaks that can make it uh, you know, a good on-ramp for Nokia, on-ramp for Microsoft device, and go up to Windows Phone. That one will be be worth watching. And it's sort of there are all these questions about you know how big is the feature phone market going to be? You know how quickly does smartphones erode it? But you know once you get below. Fifty dollars or so. There's definitely going to be some something still there. Uh, you know, I think that has some potential. That's not been talked about because actually it's a bit of the Nokia's device business that's profitable. It's the smartphone side that has been losing money, and that smartphone business will continue to lose money. I mean, Microsoft talked about a break even of uh, fifty million devices in a year. That's actually pretty much in line with what I said on a previous podcast. Nokia needing to sell between twelve and fourteen million Lumia devices a quarter to get get that break even. I mean, all of it actually says that it's been a pretty close-run thing. If Nokia just being able to perform a little better, a little quicker, we might not be having this uh, conversation, but it has done. And so, you know, it, it is now the, the what next. And the what next is honestly um, Microsoft, and actually it will be, you know, the device and services bit of Nokia. And it's going to be, you know, tautologically, you keep talking about one or the other, mixing up the names, but actually there's a reason for that because it really is going to be, Nokia's devices business has continued to produce Windows phone devices and possibly tablets, you know, for the next uh, few years. Microsoft will then be absorbing that. And don't, you know, they've got a lot of expertise in research and development their own design team. You know, Surface may not have uh, worked as a, a product, but the design was actually pretty nice. And there's all sorts of other examples where Microsoft has done some good hardware. And that, that closeness relationship, you know, does open up a lot of other potential. I, I think the critical thing is, can Microsoft retain the kind of culture and the bits of Nokia that made it stand out and I think did have it generate some loyal fans. People listening to this, you know, they like Nokia a lot. Uh, I'd include myself uh, in that. And I think don't assume that that's just going to disappear altogether. That's kind of the, the story to watch. And there's all sorts of other bits around this. You know, what happens with the rump of Nokia? Uh, how does the Microsoft reorganization go? You know, what happens on the map side? Because they're clearly going to still be a close strategic link there between Microsoft and, and the Nokia group. And all, all this thing, we'll be talking about this one <laughs> for a long time to come. And we've tried to approach this podcast by being relatively unemotional about it. But uh, I don't know about you, Ewan. It, it feels like a big day and there's sort of lots of mixed emotions going on in the head and in the heart. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because it's one of those, oh, it's expected. I mean, I, we both woke up in the morning pulling Steve's email going, oh, guys, it's urgent. I'm, I'm not going to post my YouTube article. Something else has come up. <laughs> and I thought, really? What's happened? Uh, it's Nokia have been through many reinventions before. Um, they went from Geos to Symbian to, to Windows Phone. Um, they, they looked at Java and Java and, and Linux and all of oh, that come stuff. On, so up. in terms of technology, they, they've, they've always... Um, consistently uh, reinvented themselves oh come on you i, th I think this is a rather a bigger deal i mean <gasps> i'm so upset it was interesting nokia conversations nokia's official blog kind of immediately posted kind of the reinvention there was some interesting media messaging around that and yeah it's true nokia started as sort of in uh, a wooden mill and then it moved into rubber and tires and cables and all that kind of thing and only came to mobile phones relatively late in the day. But that's the that's a bit of the company that 
got known globally and touched, you know, probably more consumers than any other consumer electronic company around the world. So this is a big deal, you know, make no mistake about it. I think that the fact that they kept back their Skunk Works project um, and the, 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 the licensing terms mean the, you know, the Rocky term is, is clear in three or four years. And I suspect, you know, Microsoft will want to slowly work the word Nokia out of all their handsets. Use Lumia, use Asha. I don't think we've seen the last phone from Nokia. Ah, and I, 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 I joked at the, the, the top of the podcast that it would not surprise me if in three or four years... Um, Nokia start looking around to other Finnish companies looking for some sort of lifeboat uh, and, and working some sort of tie-up in there. So I don't think, um, you know, as as the, as the dreamer in me, I don't think that we've seen the last pure Nokia smartphone. I don't I don't want to think that the, the allegedly 1510 phablet is going to be the last yeah. Nokia device. I think we will have stuff after that. But I think there will be a three or four-year gap and something, you know, enough time for the market to go away from this. Everything is apps. Everything is vertical model. Um, that's going to last. We're about four or five years into that now. I think that's got about five more years to run. We had 10 years of licensing, 10 years. We're going to have 10 years of vertical. And after that, something else will happen. And I suspect that that is in the shed at the back of Espoon. Just before they signed this with Microsoft, then the board leaned back and went, what have we got in there that isn't covered by this? Let me... How long will that take you? About three or four years. 2016, yeah? Yeah. So Christmas 2015 for the Nokia name. Not a problem. Sign that. Sign that. So. Um, it's a nice, it's no, a nice I idea. I have nothing to back that up. Let me just stress that right <laughs> now for everybody I have nothing to back that up. But if it's right, I will come back and make a point about Ah, ha, ha. I told you so. So emotionally, I don't think that we have seen the last of Nokia. I think that the people who are left are going to be very tenacious and people in the skunk works know what they've got and they will know that they will be starting quite clearly from a, as a niche product vendor. I think what's interesting for Microsoft and the big challenge they have is um, that when you look at um, various theories and stuff, um, they are now a full general manufacturer in Europe. They've broke the 10% barrier, give or take. You know They're going to do that by Christmas. But in America, they're still in the niche 3% market share barrier. That is not going to last, that imbalance. Microsoft either have to hold the US up to 10% so they become the definitive third player in every market and they can focus completely on a general full ahead strategy or they have to decide that they're going to sacrifice a couple of percentage points in Europe and focus on being a niche manufacturer. The strategies required in Europe and America are diverging and one of Microsoft's biggest challenges over the next six months is to actually decide one strategy that works over the world. Otherwise, they're going to tear themselves to pieces. That's Microsoft's biggest chance. Forget integration. Forget Zizu versus um, hey, hey, war declared over um, attitude that you have in America. Their biggest challenge is deciding on the strategy going forward. Um, from an emotional point of view, I, you, you know, the, the, the soul of, of Nokia, I've, I've uh, Windows Phone has kind of papered over that with me already. I don't... I have a physical connection with the handsets, but I don't have an emotional, visceral reaction that I must have the handsets. It's not like when the N95 came out. It's not like seeing the 5800. Um, it's not like even seeing the joys of the 5230 budget phone. Um, yeah, the 620 is absolutely wonderful. I'd love to have smaller phones. But that, that sort of personal touch, that's actually kind of left me a little bit from previous years. So I, I don't feel like I have lost, uh, you know, I don't feel like it's death in the family. It just feels like it's a friend who I've drifted apart from and I'm watching the status updates on Facebook and I am concerned for them, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to be okay. I'm pretty sure that the rump of Nokia is going to be okay. The, the side that goes to Microsoft, well, we've talked before. I mean, there, there are many obvious things that they need to be doing. And I think now that the Nokia team have been tweaking the OS and fixing things like the the, the, the battery life, fixing things like storage bugs and everything, you know, the, the complete non-existence of titles on Xbox Live unless you've got a Nokia for an exclusive device. All of these guys now no longer have a finish hat on. They have the red, white, and blue stars and stripes. And if, you know, there are lots of these little simple steps that I think will be able to be performed far faster, far more effectively, and have a far better response 
now that they are inside Microsoft, now again, I'm going to go on the assumption that it's going to clear all the regulatory stuff, um, that it's going to take about six, it's going to take about nine to 12 months to integrate, and they've got nine to 12 months of products already lined up. So the, the consumer side of things won't ha- see that much of a disruption. Do I feel sad? Yes. Do I feel happy at the same time? Yes. Do I think what a wonderful place uh, to be reporting and, and writing about and covering? Oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> oh, 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 yes. I mean, I feel like the dog from Churchill now, don't I? Oh, yes. Um, it is, you know, Windows Phone is still exciting. Windows Phone is in an upward trend and it has been for a long time, even though some people think it hasn't. It is approaching that 10% market. It is approaching the point where it can become self-sustaining. We said before, we, we said 10 million handsets for Nokia in Q4, um, and that, that gets them there. Now it's going to be 10 million handsets for that. I worry what's going to happen to HTC. Um, I, I think the HTC's, you know, 12 months, 18 months left in it. Yeah. Um, Samsung, well, they're going to carry on. We'll see the Ative SX probably out of IFA, and they'll just be, yeah, we're, we're making sure we, we know what hats on in Windows Phone. <laughs> Galaxy, 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 Galaxy. So um, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a sense of death or dread or loss in any of this today. Um, I see challenge. I see hope. And, and and I see a small shed in a dark corner of Espoo and a couple of people in there just going, it's fine. <laughs> One day we'll be back. And in a very sad violin chord. I, I have to admit, I don't necessarily feel quite your same optimism about the, the shed in Espoo, but we'll have to wait and see. Sorry, sorry, it's on, not actually a shed anymore. Haven't they? They've sold it to... <laughs> Rovio and leased it back from Rovio, haven't they? That, that, that's right. And actually, it's probably um, up in the north somewhere in Ulu where all the exciting stuff is going on. But uh, it, it, you, you make a good you make a good point there that um, you know it's not you know the, the death. And actually, to me, it feels like the closing of a chapter in a book, and then the next next book is coming down off the shelf. But actually, next book is Colin Baker, <laughs> and we we've known that this is going to you know happen for a while and in one sense it's been a kind of a drawn out tragedy that you know the loss of nokia as kind of an independent player had already happened and the you know people will talk about loss of technology from europe but you know i'm absolutely on the page with that i do think it's a shame but it's the sort of thing that happens in uh, consolidation and you know, these big industry moves um, I think looking at what's left of Nokia, and I think calling it a rump is a disservice. You know, Nokia Group in the form of Nokia Siemens Networks and the Here Division and Advanced Technologies, it doesn't have the same kind of consumer appeal and the really interesting stuff, devices being launched. It's not got the same sex appeal, for want of a better word, if you like. But there's some really interesting potential there. And I think the Here Division in particular, uh, when you look at some of their plans, uh, you know, actually, I think they may have a consumer reach that one day. Uh, is similar to what Nokia had in in mobile phones. If they get that location play right, I mean they are up against Google in that, but you know so much potential there. Um, and I, I don't think it's you know they're going to be the spiritual guardians of the Nokia soul. I think actually, sadly, that you know has gone from the the, the devices, but will sort of live on a little bit in uh, Microsoft's device strategy. How much so? very difficult to say and i but i you know i think people writing the obituary now are kind of missing the point we'll have to to wait and see on that and as you say you know what comes next is almost just as interesting just as exciting if not even more so but i think those who have followed nokia like both of us have for more than a decade are looking at and going okay yes it's a sad day but it was on the cards it's a result of things that happened actually probably as much as a decade ago in some cases, certainly five plus years ago. And, you know, what comes next, you know, you're still going to have really interesting devices in your pockets, you're still going to have really interesting services. I think is the final chapter in the kind of consolidation that's been happening in the mobile industry for a while. And it is turning out to be the kind of this titanic battle between three big players, Microsoft, Google, and Apple. Now, there is more complexity than that. Um, so but that's I would what it, say Samsung instead of Google, but there you go. Well, uh, and that's when I say it's complete, actually maybe it's not because there's, you know, what's Samsung going to do? What are all the kind of Chinese and Indian OEMs going to do? What are the other Android players going to do? And I think it's fair to say that Microsoft and Nokia, and now we should really just call them Microsoft, 
are behind Google and Apple and it's going to be very hard to shift Android as an incumbent. I think Apple is potentially more vulnerable because its strategy relies on kind of out-innovating everybody else. And that's hard. I mean, they've done it so far, though, so I I wouldn't put too much doubt in there. But Microsoft, I think, is well-positioned as services become even more important in this idea of three screens that gets talked about. And it's easy to be dismissive of those. And I think I've been guilty of being too optimistic about them. But you look at kind of the enterprise side of it and the positioning that Microsoft has there uh, versus Google as kind of the ultimate in the web services player, particularly search, and the the models that drive the three companies. And for Apple, it's really, it is about selling uh, products and experiences. For, For Google, it's about selling access to knowledge or, you know, search results and advertising against that. Microsoft does still remain someone who's interested in selling software and products, you know, now with the hardware side of things directly to you. And it, and it feels like, you know, that is, that's going to be, you know, an enormous battle. But I still feel there's actually a lot to be said for the way that Microsoft sees the world, particularly when you combine it with the assets it has in kind of that enterprise and cloud space. Google looks more attractive, particularly to consumers, because it's got some really attractive consumer assets. And Apple looks attractive because of the strong design and the strong innovation elements. But uh, saying that one is going to win over the others, Microsoft is you know stuck in third place forever, or Google will always be supreme, I, I think is a mistake. I've said it before about the mobile industry. It is very dynamic, and the most unexpected thing would be if things stay the same which I guess is just proved today by Microsoft's acquisition of Nokia's device and services business. And I want to leave with just two final thoughts, Rafe, if you wouldn't mind. Of course. Uh, three, actually, because um, all about windowsphone.com, your comments are going to be read over very, very carefully. Um, we did have one comment saying, I can't wait for the podcast. And Rafe says, this is wonderful for Nokia. Um, so we believe you've answered your question with that one there. Um, <laughs> I want Two things. Uh, one going back about two years and one going back uh, a couple of hundred. Um, things change in the, the smartphone world. Um, as typified by uh, a young wet-behind-the-ears reporter at the uh, Nokia Microsoft press conference in February 2011, who stood up in front of the world and said, hello, I'm Rafe from All About Symbian, <laughs> which I have to admit, Rafe, was funnier than some of the acts I saw at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. <laughs> I well remember it. Indeed, yeah. But things change, things move on. And the point here is you hold on to what works for you. The phone that you have in your pocket today works the same as it did yesterday, unless you've got Google Play drivers in the back of your Android device, but we're not going there. Uh, So it doesn't change your 1020, your 920, your, your Lumia 800. They all still work. They're all still fine. You know, nothing about that fundamentally changes. But when you look at Nokia Microsoft, I'm reminded of another quote, and I'm going to leave the podcast with this one which goes something along the lines of two households who are both alike in dignity in fair Verona where we lay our scene from ancient grudge break to new mutiny where civil blood makes civil hands unclean from forth the fatal loins of those two foes the pair of star-crossed smartphones take their life whose misadventures piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents strife the fearful passage of the death mark love and the continuance of their parents rage which but their children's end not could remove it is now the 200th traffic of our saves the which if your patient ears attend we shall hear miss our told shall strive to mend which we shall tell you over the coming weeks and months and years doth our website of allaboutwindowsphone.com wow only you could end this podcast with a shakespeare quote thank you very much for listening everybody would love to hear your comment and your feedback please bear in mind that uh, it's only the first day we're still digesting the news just as much as everybody else is but we'll be bringing you more commentary and coverage and of course continuing our standard windows phone coverage those devices are still sitting in your pockets there's more to come and we expect quite a few more announcements before christmas but as i say thank you for listening and please tune in next time